Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast. We're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television right now. We're just talking about the deuce, though. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And we are here to talk about season two, episode four of the deuce called What Big Ideas? Which, uh, <laughs> when I was watching, you know, because like the way HBO now does it, it's like you see the title, and I'm like, I thought it was going to be like, What Big Idea? But it's more like what big ideas you have, my dear little red riding hood. Yeah. Uh, 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 an analogy, I don't know. The the better to fuck you with, I guess. The better to, <laughs> the better to fuck you with, yeah. The better to turn you on. Um, what did you think of this episode, Jim? Uh, I it's another one that I enjoyed. Like I said, this this storytelling from Pelicanos and Simon is seemingly effortless. Uh, mm. It it always puts me in the time and place, and I just have a blast watching it. Yeah, I I have always admired the elegance of these these Simon um and Pelicano storylines and how like you said effortless. Like how the hell do all of these very loosely connected stories? It's almost and this I, I feel like this is even better because this is like if he told all four seasons of The Wire at the same time. Uh-huh. Like he's just riffled the deck and he's just shut like, like everything's got his little piece. You got the cops, you got the life on the streets, you got the mafia, you got the kind of guys who we're seeing not really cut out for that life. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe that's one of the, the weaknesses of Rudy's organization. He's hired a lot of guys that are full of hustle, but not much muscle. <laughs> um, and it's just and, and it's, it's something Alan Sepulveda pointed out in his review is like. They shouldn't be able to get away with being this funny in material that is also simultaneously this dark. Yeah. Like, we're talking about a 16-year-old girl prostitute that burns to death in a structure fire, yet we're still kind of, like, laughing at, like, the pimps trying to break into the East Coast Hollywood of porn and Mm -hmm. Frankie with his goddamn dry cleaning (laughs) business and... There's a lot of just really, really funny stuff going on in the margins um, that doesn't seem like it should work. Mm-hmm. It seems like the tonal shift would break your fucking neck, but I don't know. It was always like that with The Wire, too. Like, in no matter how dark the episode, there's always something that... And it never felt forced. It's just... Right. You know, look at this absurd situation. Look at the absurdity of... But I guess that's one of the things that... Simon said that, like, when he talks to people, they're outside the law. Like, they're just like anyone else. Like, they think things are funny. They have they have a dark sense of humor about this stuff. Like, you just have to kind of write their experiences, and the entire spectrum of the human condition will come out. Yeah, and I love how most of the comedy comes from just who the characters are. You yeah. know, like, Frankie's a guy who just doesn't want to deal with this shit, right? No. And he's, like, up to his neck in angry customers, and he's right. flailing around trying to figure it out, but doesn't really have his heart in it. Uh and that's just comedy gold because it's just the character being the character. Yeah, and like these twin characters that keep reminding my, uh, it keeps reminding me of like the Jacob and Esau biblical struggle where you've got like like at the end where Frankie sells this business <laughs> right no back to the guy pro- yeah who who lost it to him in the poker game in the first place and he, he has no other prospects and he's not even selling he's selling it for probably fifty cents on the dollar and then he only gets forty cents. Uh-huh. But like, and we know what his burn rate is. Like uh-huh. he st- he was stealing like ten ten grand a week from Rudy's joint. Um, like, what the hell is his plan? Like, this will get you and your girlfriend through the next week. It looks like maybe his girlfriend's also like I I I, I took it her stripping at the graveyard shift as a demotion because like you know all these th- this all these things we hear in the background. Like, tell your girlfriend she can't keep pulling this shit. Or she will be out of a job. Like I think they're telling the story of Frankie and his girlfriend being on pretty hard times, hmm. with a pretty inflated sense of their living standards. You know. Yeah. So like, and he doesn't. He, you know, like, what's he going to do now when he comes? I, I wonder if Frankie's going to die this season. Yeah, it's it. I, I don't know. I mean, somebody clearly has got to die this season. Uh, but it, it's. Gonna, I'm thinking more and more that it might be Bobby actually. Really? Because this whole underage girl thing, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I don't think Rudy's going to like that when, you know, he's making a big fuss about uh, the the horse's operation using underage girls and how disgusting it is, and then he finds out there's one within his operation and Bobby's responsible. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I can't figure out whether how much that stuff is crocodile tears because, like, Bobby and them were going on about using the underage girls, and then you turn out that they, he hired someone at 15, like... Mm-hmm. Is, was it she? Was she a mature looking? I mean, or, I mean, I, I think I'm not sure we're supposed to understand that Bobby just got sloppy. Bobby was like probably knew something was wrong and like looked the other way. Um, but yeah, and I'm and like I don't or this was just like he's really pissed that these people are starting up a new competition to undercut him. So he's using like oh they're using girls and law when or underage girl when he doesn't really give a shit himself. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I guess I read Rudy as having a problem on a, on a fundamental like ethical level it might with, be with that. it might be and it's like one of those things where like i wonder if a part of the plot is that like that's, that's kind of thing they play with in mobs like the old guard that thinks things are a certain level of classy or under control like their lieutenants and sub like they don't like they're just hungry they're trying to be rudy yeah. and the way to do that is to make a big move and if john's want underage girls then We'll find a way to provide it. Like, I, I I don't know. But, yeah, like, man, Bobby, it's amazing the transformation that's – that's that's uh, he was, like, a pretty upstanding blue-collar worker. Now he's, like, turned into his whoremonger, and it's fundamentally changed him as a person. Uh-huh. And, like, I feel like that's, like, one of the things, like, the corrosive influence of all this stuff is just, like – like like and from the outside everything looks beautiful but it's like it's it's really rotten from the the head down um but yeah, what, i mean the, the other person in danger of dying this season i think might be paul actually you know mm. i mean he's like i predicted like i assumed he's kind of being lumped in with rudy or at least that's right. the warning that vincent gives him right right uh that you know people people know that you got another shop that's set up with rudy they might not know that this one is your own thing uh and and you know rudy's still like not leaning slash leaning on on Paul to pay him the protection money. Like yeah, yeah, there's yeah. almost this veiled like, oh, you know, it'd be a shame if if the the opponents were to come after you and you're not under my wing, you know? Yeah, I know we debated this last week and I was on I think we both on the side of no, I think Rudy genuinely doesn't care if Paul leaves, but the wars change things because now right. Vincent like you can't mistake the whole like, oh yeah, I'd go with the more expensive Italian marble. I'll go with the Italian. It's 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 better in the long run. And like <laughs> uh-huh. he's telling him like you should muscle up with Rudy or um I, I but I, I kind of feel like Frank like one of the things that are uh, happening is that you find out that these, you know, mob places are pretty soft targets. Like mm-hmm. the security are a bunch of drunks. Um, who are partying and they're not watching, they're not keeping a close eye, even though they know war is coming. I think everything's going to get a lot tighter. And I worry that Frankie's going to come in to Irene's to do his heist and he's going to get his brain, brains blown out, you know, because mm-hmm. they're going to hire a bunch of muscle that doesn't. And Frankie's been gone. Like, I'm saying this could happen next fucking episode. <laughs> yeah. Frankie rolls in with the handcart and starts going into safe and some dude just blows his head off right because they don't know him it's new muscle or tough muscle uh-huh. um and like you know this guy's not supposed to be in the safe and doing this so hey before we get further into the episode i just want to do some housekeeping first off uh jim and i would like to encourage everyone uh at least americans to register to vote for the upcoming election uh i just noticed that ohio's deadline for voter registration is october 9th i don't don't jesus don't understand why we cut off a month before the elections the ability to participate in elections just as like the advertising is reaching people. But, you know, if you want to participate in a d- a democracy, a lot of states, their deadlines that don't have same day registrations are fast approaching. So you can check your registration. Make sure you're registered to vote by going to vote.org or headcount.org. It's quick and easy to see if you are registered in your state. Also, uh, they will show you how to get registered and provide you with the paperwork or, in some cases, even allow you to register online. Again, vote.org uh, or headcount.org are nonpartisan places where you can go and check your registration status. And, like, again, encourage everyone, everyone, we're wa- listening to the deuce. We're watching the deuce, for Christ's sake. It's all about politics. Don't you want to po- participate in the democratic experiment that is America? Check it out, vote.org or headcount.org. Also, for club members, the Empire business is dropping. This week, we talked about uh, a deep dive on advertising, the state of uh, podcast advertising. Uh, In the weeks to come, we'll be giving a studio tour and talking about the decommissioning of the version two of the Bald Move studio uh, and also give an overall state of the Bald Move empire. Uh, We're also doing uh, Better Call Saul season four. 
We had the penultimate episode this week. Uh, the finale will be next week. And don't forget, you can join in to the Instant Talk podcast if you're a club member uh, by checking out the link on baldmove.com the night the episode airs. Cecily and I are still doing the American Horror Story podcast, Apocalypse, having a lot of fun. That's a really fun podcast if you want to check that out. And Jim and Cecily also recorded a podcast on Netflix's Ozark next last week, rather, um, that came out. Did it came out Monday? Uh, Sunday, actually. Sunday. It came out Sunday. Yeah. The Rare Weekend uh, Bald Move podcast. And Cecily and I are also going to try to get uh, a wrap up of the current season of BoJack Horseman uh, out the door this week. That's what's going on at baldmove.com. Yeah, I don't know. And then, like, what does that do to Vincent? Because, man, Vincent is really feeling all this mm-hmm. um yeah so much you... that he he says he wants out you know <laughs> and the the second in command there is like out what the fuck is out yeah that's the problem with the like like that's a i wonder because i don't know as a complete outsider's organization like it did, did did before like godfather and like goodfellas casino and all that shit did did people like like in the people in New York City kind of know that like the mafia is not like one of those things where you can kind of like dabble in. It's like a for a life commitment, even if you're not a made man. It's like really hard. Like when like, you know, I mean, I, I guess like people in the know probably knew that. Is Vincent one of those guys is in the know? I don't know. Hmm. Um, yeah, I uh, because I, I, thought... I, well, I think Vincent sees what Paul's doing, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, maybe I can do the same thing. Just, yeah. you know, take a step back from these this particularly distasteful part of the organization and this yes. particularly under uh, attack part of the organization at the moment. These whorehouses, these parlors. Right. And, and just stick to my disco clubs, you know, mm-hmm. where things are bad, but they're under control so far. Yeah, like, he he wants to have his cake and eat it, too. He wants all the money. He wants all... Like, he's a big deal at this club 366. Like, he's, you know, there's, like, famous people all around, and he's talking about, like... I think there's some genuine kind of awe and admiration when he's like, this is a place that anything can happen, and most nights does. Like, that must Mm -hmm. be really heady to be in, but he wants to act like he's a part of the other... Like, like, you know, he, he's like a segmented, uh, it's that, it's that, it's that <laughs> prostitute branch. It's the massage parlor thing. I'm not in that dirty part, but like, and I think that's what the point that Simon was making with Irene fucking with big, uh, big Mike about the come on the quarters. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you're, you got your, you, everything's kind of jumbled and you're not in a play, like in the middle of a, of a mafia war, you can't be like, well, my quarters are not the cum stained ones. These other quarters, <laughs> you want to go after those others. It's, it's all going to be part and parcel, especially if the cops, you know, like, um, one of, uh, Simon's big thesis is follow the money, follow, like Lester Freeman yeah. always said, you follow the money. You don't know, you don't, you're not going to know where it's going. Well, you follow this money, you know, it's not just, a, it's, it's the mobs all in all this shit. So Right. And I think it's also wrapped up in the death of Kitty uh, and right. and the the shit, essentially, that he's getting from his girlfriend about that. Right. Like th- there, there's some sort of responsibility here that Vincent bears because he is in that world and he is, it, however, tangentially connected to those those places where women are being abused and women are being killed. And his girlfriend very much uh feel strongly that he is part of the problem now i think yeah and that's the thing that kind of threw me for a bit the fact that um i don't think that abby knew that vincent was involved in this like i think she thought that was a scumbag uh is is bobby his brother or brother-in-law i think brother-in-law yeah 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 yeah. he's married to his sister i Uh thought she said something that like his scumbag brother was doing but like she had no idea how involved he was and now not only is the shock of like, look, dude, I mean, it'd be like, you know, if you were uh, your gr- your your girlfriend's on the board of PETA and mm-hmm. secretly you're running a dogfighting ring. Right. You know, and you've been living and sleeping together for five, six years. And like suddenly it's like, what? I'm trying to save all these animals and you're out there like it, it's it's the shock of all this catching up and kind of like, you know. Again, the storytelling in here is amazing. Abby talking about in earlier in the season is like, you know, we've got the rules and like what the and the, the the chief rule is probably honesty, right? Like yeah. Vince has been fundamentally honest, and in a way, he's got to know would be repellent to to Abby. 
Right. Um, like honesty includes telling people uh, things that they might not necessarily think to ask about. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing is, like, I guess I just assumed that she kind of knew he was involved and, like, maybe didn't feel good about it. But, like, well, you know, at least it's Vince and not some brutal son of a bitch. And, mm-hmm. But, no, I just think that, like, the story they're telling is she had no idea and Vince has been kind of hiding it from her. Seems like it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, but I don't know. Did you – what? So Vince picked up this uh, Vivian – um, this photographer that uh, uh, was taking pictures that 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 um, Abby had put on the show for at her bar stole her from her own show mm-hmm. and is going to have sex with her. Um, I, is is Abby what? Where where's the friction here? Is this kind of like the will they won't they coming back? Because uh, I feel like this happened before she found out that Vince was involved with the prostitutes, the massage parlors. So like, I think I you're tried- right. What, what what do you think? What do you think? The what was your read on that situation when you saw it? Uh, I didn't have a good handle on it, but I will say I watched the after credits um, kind uh-huh. of deep dive into this episode, and they talked about how Abby is more annoyed with Viv than she is with Vincent, uh, simply because she went through the trouble of setting this up for this woman, yeah. and she ditched out on her own show, you know, right? Um, and, for and sex with Vince, like <laughs> right? It's like. Even in an open relationship, how much closer to uh, offensive can you get? Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like it's it's not just uh, that. I, I kind of agree with that take too. That um, you know, she's trying to give another woman a hand up, and yeah. the woman scorns it for something she could have any time. Right, like she could have come, like you know, she could have go, she could have gone to Vince's club any night of the week and picked him up for a whirl. Abby's doing this thing for her the one time. It's just, I don't know. I feel like Abby's constantly disappointed in the women around her and how Mm kind of like fickle they are. And then like when she meets someone like Dorothy or I think Darlene is heading that direction too, where they're actually scrabbling just as hard as she is to make something of herself and make the world better. That it's just like a constant disappointment. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, no. And I think, I don't know that cause it's this, it does feel like that there's an expiration date on this relationship though. It does more and more. Although I don't know, it could be that Vince does something crazy, like makes a big like showy marriage uh, prop, <laughs> and then we come back in the eighties and they're just fucking miserable with kids. And I, right? I mean, which which is the more unhappy ending, Vince and Abby breaking up or them being stuck together and miserable? So, something big and showy, like oh, I don't know, taking her to uh, the beach where you grew up and showing her the photos of your family, and yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting when they were at night. Uh, when when Vince came home late, well, I guess early in the morning, and you know she confronts him with this—the fact that this uh, kitty was only sixteen—and um, he's like, "Yeah, I'll cover for the expenses." Mm-hmm. And he's he says, "I saw something tonight," but she won't tell her. Which I thought, I thought that that was interesting. Like, why is he trying? Like, it, 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 it's weird because I didn't think that, like, Vince would be the one, the, the type that would spare Abby feelings. Like, oh, I don't want you to worry about me. Like, Yeah, I I came away from that scene thinking very much that Vincent is trying to spare not her feelings, but her safety, essentially. Like, she doesn't need mm. to know that, that, you know, the people he's associating with are killing people in the streets. And if she yeah. did know that information, she might be at risk. Yeah. So I guess he's trying to protect her in that way. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk about this mob, the, the bullet point in my notes that reads mob shit, because uh, we know we, we got a tit for tat, burnt one of the horses, they burnt one of Rudy's, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bobby fucked up security, They one of the girls died, which we know from the wire that what really gets law enforcement's dick hard is when Bob, bodies start dropping, Yeah. Um, and then Rudy went to Carmine, and Carmine's like, you know, we got to stop all this, and Rudy's like, what, we're not going to answer? I never said we don't answer. Is the answer Tommy shooting this random non-made HOTUS muscle? I think so. That was a badass. That was a fucking (laughs) amazing... I've never seen... Like, that street execution was one of the most realistic and just nonchalant. Just, like, gun in face, bam, and then one in the chest, and you walk away. And Tommy, like, his heart rate doesn't even go up. Right. It's regrettable. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what yeah. he says when he comes back. No, it, it was cold as ice, man. Which, which is funny because when he burnt down the place, he was like out of breath. And I, but I feel like he just literally sprinted from that because, like, I don't think yeah. he gives a shit about 
in, like this 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 Tommy guy is scary. Yeah, he's the Joe Pesci of this series, right? Yeah, yeah. Only maybe a little, maybe a little smarter and more cunning. Sure. Uh, less with his head up his ass. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, I'm worried that uh, Black Frankie's going to get recruited because. Did, did you see the look on his face when he comes back to the car? Yeah. Black Frankie's like, yeah. Oh All really? Because right. like I think Black Frankie was like what I I read that is like he. You know, I don't think Black Frankie has a has a problem shooting some dude that's causing problem in a parlor or roughing somebody. Else. Same as Big Mike, but like, uh-huh. do they want to fight a mob war? I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, because like I, I keep on thinking of like, um, yeah, I don't know, because like like you know you know like like Muhammad Ali always said about the Vietnam War. It's like I don't got any problem with the Viet. Like, why do I want to go shoot some poor Vietnamese guy? Mm-hmm. For a government that's always had its foot on the back of the neck of my people, I guess with with Frankie and Mike, maybe they'd be more loyal because this organization is actually giving them opportunities and 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 paying them and 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 keeping keeping them fed. Like it maybe it wouldn't be that, but like I I keep on feeling like that's maybe analogous. Is like this is another war. It's not about him. It's not about making him rich. It's not about hmm. protecting him and his. It's just you know him getting drafted into this thing. So I I thought that face was like more of like a little bit like shit. What have I got myself into? But <laughs> or, I or now look, or I now he understands what he's dealing with. That yeah, kind of thing. And, and I don't want to look soft in front of the crazy white boy. Okay, yeah. Um, but I could be I could be wrong in that. I could be and wrong. That, on that is one crazy white boy for but sure. I, I don't think Carmen. I don't think that's the. I don't think that's what the answer that Carmen was going was going for. But like uh-huh. Tommy, just like, well, this guy's not a made man, so like I can I can get away with it. I'm right. going to do it. Um, yep. So which means like to your point about like Paul um, or Frankie or Vincent or Bobby, like if it's just open season on people who aren't you know actual mafia, then all of the main cast, all the male members of the main cast are not made men and are kind of like up for execution. No, it's a, it's a scary thing. He's, he's triggered a bigger response than I think Rudy might have wanted. Yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, I mean, I, I really want to talk about Larry and, okay. and his whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. That cold it's just open, comedy gold. It kind yeah. of cold open was was so so fucking funny with him. Like, you know, the <laughs> the contrast between him trying to be this smiley, gregarious, nice looking guy and like what they're tr- clearly trying to cast him, which are these menacing. Like even in porn, the black guy's got to be a prisoner in jail. Right. Right. And like, you know, he's like kind of camera shy about his enormous penis. <laughs> Uh, he's, that, he's well endowed because well, I was sure. I was I was already starting to kind of roll my eyes and my notes like yet again HBO pusses out on show nope nope uh-huh. nope here is cock this is this is a big this is a big cock right pointed at me um, yeah there's a lot of nudity in this episode a lot of uh, yeah it's like male female all of the above a lot of erect male penises which has always been mm-hmm. HBO's kryptonite I think I think they show uh, they watched uh, American Gods on Stars last year and be like <laughs> hey we can do this we can do this this is a show about fucking let's get some Let's get some hard-ons on camera here. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was great. The fact that he's such a terrible actor, uh-huh. uh, but he's such a natural, charismatic presence. No, I love I love the actress's reaction to his seduction. It's, yeah. it's like... Yeah, brace she, yourself. <laughs> right, that line <laughs> is so good. And then, are we ready to fuck now? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and Larry just goes like Citizen Kane on yeah. the monologue and just like, you know... <laughs> I. I it was great, and like you know, Darlene being like, "That's the man I know." Right, um, and I mean, Candy seems to be eating it up too. Oh, what I think happened here, what I think mm-hmm. we just saw, is Larry's audition for the Red Riding Hood movie. I think he oh, might end up being like the, be wolf the wolf, or especially since they're yeah. making it more like because you know, um, this kind of ties into the Eileen thing, which I loved. I loved the, her whole Little Red Riding Hood production book that had like yeah. samples of fabrics, and she's done all the sketching and. She wants to film on a forest location, and Harvey's like, we don't got the lighting for this. It's going to go upstate New York. And she has this, like, intuition that, like, oh, what if we made this, like, an urban tale? Um, like, the forest is the concrete jungle, and, like, I, you know, that's that's a pretty brilliant idea. And um, I don't know. I thought I thought it was, uh, it was really good. There's also, but um, there's a lot of interesting things that happen in here. 
Um, one, there's a woman that offers to help her, right? And I don't know if you yeah. realize that that was Harvey's wife. Okay, right. Because later in the episode, Harvey has like a, he's like, I'd rather die from boils than hire a writer uh-huh. for a porno. I think she's going to get his way, but like, what kind of friction is that going to be? Because like, Harvey's wife wasn't good enough to, you know, help out, but now she's paying. I wonder if there's going to be some friction there because. You know, Harvey already has a lot of misgivings about this project. Mm-hmm. A few thing balls bounce the wrong way, and uh, you know, w- will he ever like turn like a, an antagonist against Eileen? I hope not, but like, I feel like that's the way it's going. Yeah, there's a very tenuous uh, relationship there. Uh, I think like Eileen could push him just a little bit too far, and maybe he'd shut mm-hmm. down the whole thing, right? Um, fire her or whatever. Right. But I, I also. I guess I didn't realize at the time that that was Harvey's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes a little bit more sense now why Eileen might not want to go with her for the writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was assuming also that she wanted this to be a professionally produced thing. Right. And so hiring the girl who wrote a college play that didn't ever get staged yeah. is not the way to go. Hiring yeah. a professional writer, writing it herself is not the way to go, right? She just doesn't right. have it in her. So hire a professional writer. Let's do this right. Yeah, um, yeah. Is kind of what I was thinking, but I suppose it could be a little both. Um, what do you make of the scene where Eileen's son is into the love boat and pornography? <laughs> uh, hand in hand. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I I think Eileen's in the right. Like, this kid's like, what, 14? Mm-hmm. About time for him to get a porno mag. Like, that's that's uh-huh. kind of like, that's not, that's not unhealthy teenage boy behavior um maybe the things he sees in that will give like you know give him a wrong idea about things but like the the fact that he's got it and is curious about it and is using that for stroke material like uh i thought eileen you know being from a sex work background is a lot more comfortable and like understands Mm -hmm. like you know uh i've actually fucked kids not much older than my son taking their virginity and stuff as we saw last season Mm -hmm. so uh, but I do think things are coming to a head. Like, her mom... It's been, what, sh- how many years has she been trying to get this kid out from under her mom's house? And it's just... Ne- it's always next year. It's always next... I wonder if, like, now her mom's going to see this as, like, the chickens coming home to roost and, and going to make, like, you know, either kick the kid out or make Eileen take him. And that's going to be, a dist- like, at a critical junction of her film. And, like, that's going to provide a bunch of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um I, I did think it was funny because I'd never heard of this Bettelheim guy. You know, that's something that Harvey name checks and Eileen's like, who the hell is Bettelheim? I looked it up and it turns out he was like big in like pop psychology and Freudian analysis. And he's got an interesting background where he's a Jew that fled Nazi persecution. But after his death, people found out that he was entirely a flim flam man. Like he had made up all of his professional credentials <laughs> and he had just kind of like made up a lot of his theories and a lot of his stuff was bullshit, yeah. which I think that's the kind of that, that that's like, it's just a little meta joke that Harvey's the kind of guy that would go in for essentially bullshit pop psychology and, and, <laughs> and, and, and cite that as him being like erudite, you know, like, like right. really, really uh, uh, educated in on this whole thing. So, yep. and then he he name checks the wrong uh, fairy tale. Name checks the yeah, and then he does the three little pigs, son of a bitch. Yep. Um, <laughs> also, Eileen's uh, sleeping with her editor. Um, yeah, I guess I didn't know that before. I didn't either, and I also didn't recognize this guy's Hoyt from True Blood, which I know is a movie you haven't seen, but like you mm-hmm. know, or a television show you haven't seen, but another uh, HBO alum. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought the. Uh, I thought that's cool. There's also like every scene where Eileen is trying to make this happen. Like she finds this 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 writer who like imme- didn't know he's working on a porno. Oh, but once he did, he's like, oh, I totally get this. And they yeah, had the wolf eating the granny hole and all that. And, but like then you can see kind of her face fall, and he's like, you don't have to use your ne- real name, do you? Like <laughs> right. she's trying to work to make this thing respectable in art, and yet everybody she she goes into treats this like a raincoat gutter type of industry. Yeah, uh, which is uh, unfortunate for her because also I've seen the state of porn. Not getting going to get any better, Eileen. <laughs> like nope. you get you'll get a brief glory in the Boogie Nights era, and then it's uh, it's 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 all it's all fucked up. Um, what else is there to talk about? Oh, 
the whole line about the pros. Um, Shay, her drug addiction finally comes to a head, and Eileen puts her up for a stay in rehab. Um, there's this kind of like dark line where like Shay's still kind of out of it, and she's like, "Oh, I, I got to tell Rodney." Rod and and uh, Irene's like, "Oh no, Rodney knows." Does he? Does he? Or are they hoping to get her cleaned out for and away from Rodney in 28 days? Yeah, I. It's interesting because uh, she seems very surprised by the fact that you know her boss would pay for this treatment, right? Um, and this stay at the the rehab facility, uh, I, I assume is where she's at. Well, so I've gotten the impression, and I don't know that this is true because I can't point to any one thing about it, but I've gotten the impression that Irene is a lesbian. And that she is hmm. a little, she's taking a little sh- uh, shine to Shay. Do you feel all that at all? Uh, I, I definitely, if you <laughs> had asked me to describe her, I wouldn't have d- used those words at all. Okay, uh, I, shit. I, I guess I never considered that. She reminds me a lot of the character. For, I, I think the big reason she reminds me a lot in just her physical presentation of the character that was like um, Peggy's friend on Mad Men, the like. Uh-huh. Uh, counterculture reporter that was like into this like art scene um and i don't know just the way i don't know just the way she's interacting Shay, i thought that always hmm. it kind of reminds me of like bobby's kind of like puppy dog relationship with some of his favorite girls mm-hmm. you know the ones he looks after and protects although irene's doing a hell of a lot better job of looking after it seems like yeah um but i don't know because you know rodney's got the raging drug addiction he's not super rational uh, one of his girls is going to be off the streets for 28 days. I think that's going to be bad news. And I'm not sure if it's bad mm-hmm. news and, like, Rodney's just going to, like, I, my theory is, uh, uh, shit, who's a, a Slim Charles play? Um, the guy just came back from prison. He's uh, go- shit, I can't remember his name. Uh, I had I had that theory that he's going to uh, he, he's going to put a, a, a new pimp in the ground every season, right? Like if Rodney's going to be the latest one or or what? But like that's heading to bad territory. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Dorothy uh, being confronted uh, by Rodney. By the way, uh, cord- trying to coordinate with the doctor because you know as much good as they're doing in their little van, like there's only so much they can do without a doctor willing to, to give medical attention and stuff. Um, and they find one um and who's living in a really kind of fancy house mm-hmm. um i and, and he, he says at the end like you know i know there's a lot of medical doctors who take advantage of these situations i just want you to know that's not me i'm getting a major mayor carsetti vibe out of this fucker okay <laughs> yeah i i feel like he's saying the exact thing that he's gonna do here yeah he's, he's saying oh i would never do anything like that so that he can like lampshade it when he does right yeah no and that's like that's like i've noticed that if you get into like if you if you try to be an ally for women's issues you're always meet, met with an uh, an intense amount of skepticism and even hostility uh if you're a man and i think this is why because <laughs> sure. it's just one long line of people running confidence scams to try to mm-hmm. get on the inside so they can be like this like super predator and this you know, target rich environment, and I really, really, really think this guy is going to do some, some, some pretty, pretty shitty stuff. Um, yeah. I don't trust him. Again, I'm getting major car seat. He seems like the hero we want, but mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I just, he's gonna, he's gonna, I'm, next episode, he's gonna be fucking a secretary, looking at himself, flexing in the mirror, and you're gonna know, <laughs> you're gonna know he's a Carsetti fucker. He's yep. a little finger kind of fucker. Um, but Dorothy, like, putting in, like, there's this, like, you know, um, like this fatalism, like why am I doing this? And Dave is like, you know, it's not bad to just like try to make the world a better place. But at the end of the day, it's like her victory is pretty, pretty, pretty pyrrhic here because it's not going to change the fact that Kitty's dead or that Stephanie's dead, um, and that she was you know used up and spit out in this industry. But they gave her a burial with a headstone, right? You know? It's a lot of lot of a uh, lot of investigative work for for a meager uh, outcome like that. Um. I don't know, I'm 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 curious to see what ends up with uh, Dorothy because they keep also this these having these menacing meetings with the the pimps and her being more and bold about walking on the streets like man I really hope nothing bad happens to her but yeah this is and the kind of show we're watching the, the other I guess smaller portion of this episode that I want to talk about is Cece and Lori 
Um, okay, yeah, yeah. We've been seeing a lot of them lately, and they've sort of been painting this picture of Lori moving further and further out of CC's control. Mm-hmm. Um, and this episode almost kind of brings it back. You know, takes a, takes a step back towards CC. Uh, because he's he's exercising a, he's flexing a little bit here mm-hmm. uh, on uh, of his influence over her career. Now at the same time, she's talking with this agent who says, "Hey, we can you know cut CC in. We'll all get a piece of this. Yeah, he won't need to be agent in your relationship. Yeah, right, right. Um, I <laughs> I don't know how CC's going to take that, and and clearly, D- Lori doesn't want to tell him. Right, doesn't want anybody to tell him. Doesn't want to bring this up with him. Uh, Maybe because it's a bad time, but maybe also because she just knows CC is not interested. Yeah, so I've got some I got some crazy t- um, artsy fartsy analysis I want to do in the situation here in a minute. But like, I do think that Kiki's got the right of it. It's like, was this guy when he was you know when he was your pimp? Um, mm-hmm. It's not like he was in the bedroom managing you. He arranged your jobs. He handled your money. He did like he can keep doing all that stuff. Why does he feel like the need he sh- uh, shows up on set? Unfortunately, this week, CeCe gets a little taste of validation because he invents the point of view <laughs> porn scene, which is yeah. a mainstay. Like, because of course it is. You can eliminate one more paid position from the staff. You don't need a camera guy. <laughs> Just have the guy fucking hold a camcorder. And that's true. But it's yeah. also like he describes it pretty well. You know, people want to envision themselves as being in that situation. Show it from their point of view. No. Yeah. The POV shot is amazing from a ton of different angles. Um, yeah. And it's it's not super well received. But then, you know, the the wheezy camera guy knocks over the palm tree and mm-hmm. Bernie's ready to try anything. Then he is emboldened to like he wants to pitch his life in times of a pimp thing, which is a step further beyond what Larry's doing. Like Larry's yeah. doing, uh, you know, I guess it would all be like some sort of exploitation. But, you know, Larry's a mm-hmm. prisoner. Uh, CeCe wants to be the pimp. He wants to ch- change that locus of control over to and he's got a pretty compelling, you know, like I don't know if pimp porn was ever a big deal. Uh, oh, I don't know. You know, I, don't, I haven't watched a lot of 70s and 80s porn, so I wouldn't know. But, like, I can instantly see the merits of the fantasy. Uh-huh. You know, guy like like guy with a modern harem, and he's, like, living life on the edge of society, and there's plenty of fucking, you know, threesomes, <laughs> eightsomes, whatever he's doing. <laughs> right. um, but it's like, you know, I can see why Lori's afraid, because now CeCe's even wanting to get more and more onto the set, because he's actually getting little moments to shine. Before, he's yeah. always seen as a pain in the ass. I think Bernie's going to have to walk away with some kind of grudging respect for him. Sure. Yeah. Um, what did... Okay, and then I think the final thing we need to talk about is the cops. So, not a lot happened. Um, there wasn't a lot of time spent on the cops' angle, but what was there was pretty good. And uh, Kevin B. wrote in, actually last week, to point out that the mayor's task force guy, Gene, uh, was shown having a drink at Paul's Gay Bar in one of the earlier scenes, which is interesting for two reasons. Number one, it's a little bit of a callback to the Lieutenant Rowles situation from The Wire, where, you know, um, that was uh, uh, McNulty's, like, hard-charging. I got two I got two fingers for you, McNulty, one in your eye and one up your uh, narrow Irish ass. <laughs> and it turns out that this guy is, like, a closeted gay guy. And that was just, like, a huh. background detail. But I think it is something else when this guy in the late 70s is the, the public morals task force and he ten- and he's he's frequenting gay bars where there's anonymous sex being had in darkened corridors like yeah. that gets out especially since there's all this like chatter about the mayor himself being gay and like people are like you know cuz this is the 70s um but a lot of people are kind of up in arms of that like i think that mayor cox would uh throw this guy over in a heartbeat if there's any public scandal around him so this might uh-huh. be like a point of pressure that the mob might apply to them or even the police themselves once because it seems like chris uh he shows up to the mandatory meeting and he sees all these like literally it's like pigs at a trough right yeah like there's all these donuts lined up and they're eating them two at a time and like oh the overtime express and you know chris is like these these are all the fucking guys on the take man right (laughs) i mean they're gonna get paid more if if you can if you can give them info that they can use to help 
the mob avoid your raids, they're going to get paid more, right? Right. Like they're talking about overtime from the the police force and then extra bribe money from the the gangsters. Yeah, they're getting it both ways. And like that, that line Chris had where he's like, this is the deuce, man. If you think shutting yeah. it down is going to be easy, or if you think it'd be easy to shut it down, it wouldn't have even been here in the first place. Yep. Um, which I guess, um, does, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Because we can get the feedback. No, I'm good. And like It kind of like leans into the point uh, that I want to consider here from our first uh, writer, um, Kate, who also wrote us in last week talking about kind of being uh, unsure about the, the show. Hey, before we get the feedback, I want to talk about the club, the club, club.baldmove.com. It's the way we keep our shit financed. No mafia money involved at club.baldmove.com that you know of. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we got a Goomba or two. They're subscribers. That would literally be mafia money flowing through mm-hmm. the Bald Move Empire. Uh, not only do you get passive mob involvement when you join in the club. Baldmove.com, but you get a lot of cool bonus features, ad-free feeds, video editions of a lot of the podcasts, extra bonus features like the Empire Business, where we take you behind the scenes of an internet podcasting startup. Uh, lunch with Jim and Aaron, quips, all kinds of funny uh, and interesting bonus content. Uh, check out all the offerings. You can go and sample. You can get the pitch. You can check out the pricing, and you can test drive a lot of the features at just by going to club.baldmove.com. And if you sign up, you get a free month uh, free just by signing up, 30 days free at club.baldmove.com. She says, your podcast for last week was fantastic. Um I also helped my appreciation of the episode, which is good, is what I was hoping for. But I'm not sure still what I'm watching. I get that it will fall to 70s and 80s through the rise and fall of pornography, but what am I supposed to care about? There's not enough character depth or engaging into situational sociological issues for me to get really invested in either. So I just kind of watch and enjoy because it's a great-looking show with easy-to-follow storylines. Um, I think this is one possible problem the show is because if you've watched David Simon shows you're not really learning anything. You can take this, everything that you know about the world David Simon's espoused and everything fits neatly into that worldview in this show. So like, I'm not exactly learning new things. I'm learning new ways that these same themes of corruption and money and, um, you know, uh, allowing corrupt public officials in power being the real problem with what's going on here. But like, there isn't a lot of social commentary that I'm not already on board for. So I'm just along for the ride, I guess. What do we say to people like Kate, who is essentially, I guess, wanting to learn? I feel like Kate's wanting to learn something new about the world and a backwards look at something 40 years ago for a fairly minor part of American history, just not getting it to to her. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess the thing that I'm learning, if I were to say that in the show, is the way that these sort of, ideas of what's wrong with society and mm-hmm. these these problems interact with each other mm-hmm. um that that's the most impressive thing to me that david simon does is he really understands the way that you know the porn industry and prostitution and mm-hmm. the cops uh and you know the mafia all of, and drugs all of these things are sort of linked together mm-hmm. uh and and I'm I'm very much, you know, interested in that idea that like if you thought this was an easy problem to solve, that you could just attack one from one angle and fix a problem of prostitution mm-hmm. uh or violence in these areas, then mm-hmm. you haven't you, you don't know what you're talking about, right? Right. Like that that to me is the most interesting thing, the interaction between all these problems that we have. Mm-hmm. And it's it's frustrating to Kate cuz to Kate's point I don't think the right people are watching the show. The show is not particularly well rated. Um, I can say from a bald new perspective, it's also kind of middle, mid, middle ratings. Like it's getting half the traffic or a sharp objects podcast got, um, sharp objects, a great show. It's not going to, it's not going to change the world or save the world or make the world a better place. It's just a really interesting artist. It's, it's definitely talks about real problems and people connect with it. God knows I did. But, like, mm-hmm. I think shows like The Wire and The Deuce, if enough people watched it and really got the lesson, could make the world a better place. But a lot of people need to watch it, like the Law & Order, Moral Task Force types of people. It's just going to be a non-starter because they're not going to watch a bunch of d- big flopping dicks 
and people doing drugs <laughs> and people having immoral sex and threesomes and unconventional like that. That's just an anathema to them. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, because the world like like they cause so much harm by expecting the world to fit into these neat little categories and continuing to try to put the world back into that box, that box mm-hmm. that they think it should look in. That they should look like, and they're not interested in the data. They're not interested in, um, in, in any kind of empirical study about that approach. They're not interested in the fact that, you know, they're actually making more drugs and more prostitution and more abortions and more of everything that they hate by trying to crack down and and fight human nature. Um, but it's frustrating because the people that most need to see it. Uh, are not watching it. I think the people that are watching this are essentially David Simon acolytes that have already mm-hmm. heard this before in multiple different ways. So uh, that must be intensely frustrating for David Simon as well. Um, because sure. that's like, because like in the margins, it's all about the margins, Kate. Like, like let's talk about last week. You're supposed to understand that wall of children and that fucking bus. That's the next generation of lost that they're, that are going to be the pimps and the drug dealers and get snapped up by the criminal elements because their mom, their moms aren't going to get them to school. They're not going to have they're going to be living in shitholes that have lead paint. They're going to be not having they're going to be hungry uh, for days on end. They're not going to be going to school. They're not going to have like any kind of like they're going to not be raised in a way that they can fit into any kind of polite society to hold down a job. Like you're just writing these children off by keeping these women under the thumb and keeping everything in the darkness. And yeah, but I don't know. Like I said, if you if you already know all that stuff and accept it, then, yeah, you're not. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's true of anything, you know, yeah. if you yeah. already know it, you're very familiar with the material then watching something on it, you're not going to get much out. Yeah. If you're a physicist, you're not going to go to a high school, you know, uh, the, the, the course on science and, and get much of anything other than the sad state of the education system. So <laughs> right. right. that's the thing. Like, you know, but I think that regardless of that, this is just a very watchable, entertaining show. It is. Yeah. Um, and also, it's just like, I think that. I think life is all about moving the Overton window, and if a couple hundred thousand more people get exposed to this stuff and eventually become, you know, like stop the circus of what we obsess about, which is current events, and start systematically rooting out corruption and and getting money out of politics like that, like if we could start a party like that, if we could get like a, a groups of politicians to run on the David Simon party, like I think that's what we that's what we need to do, and and you know. Every time a show like this comes around, they get some Emmys and stuff. It's going to bring a couple more people. Um, there's going to make them outside of their comfort zone and outside of their little box and maybe pry their mind open to like, hey, maybe interdiction and draconian public t- moral task forces aren't the way to go. Because in 2018, you still hear, hear calls to roll this shit out. Let's get tougher on crime. Right. Let's like, you know, let's let those fucking junkies die in the streets rather than give them Narcon or whatever. And that's what I mean when I say, you know, the interactions between these issues, they're they're showing us like what the crackdowns do. They do nothing except hurt the people who rely on these industries for their livelihood and their support, you know, And, and, and that's why I like so much about, you know, what Dorothy says a couple of episodes, I think, ago at the end. Where, you know, the the idea is not to eliminate the pimps or crack down on these brothels and, mm-hmm. and get them pushed out. The idea is give the women the support they need to get out of that lifestyle. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's, no, there's no easy way to crack down on a problem and say everything else will be solved on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, R.K. Croft talks a little bit about being surprised that Abby didn't know that Vince is mixed up at the parlors, which we already talked about, but he also has, uh, please tell me there won't be a grandma. I'd like to fuck scene of a wolf eating grandma. Yeah. Grandma's uh, hole is there to be eaten. <laughs> right. Uh, that's, that's what I, I got out of it. I, I almost wonder if the twist is going to be that, um, Eileen will be cast as the grandma. <laughs> okay. Because, yeah. you know, she was kind of like coming out of her prime last season. It's been a few more years. There's been a couple of like low key talks about like, I, you know, again, because I because because the way that, uh, Simon and Pelicanos weave these stories together, and you start to get uh, used to the rhythm, you start seeing like you, unconnected statements that are going to later come in, and and you're supposed to understand that those was foreshadowing, like uh, Rodney discard, like like going after Dorothy and taunting her as old product, mm-hmm. um, like you know Dorothy and Eileen 
are kind of like the old guard and Darlene and Lori were the fresh faces who are like, you can already see a generation um, younger than them are starting to replace them and what a meat grinder the industry is. Like, I think it'd be ironic to, you know, Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, which is still a stone cold Fox. Like if she asked to play the grandma, just because what is she Mm -hmm. like late thirties, early forties, probably now, probably early forties. Like that's a grandma. Yeah, but that's like true in modern porn. Like, oh sure, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, like you know, if you're 23, you're a milf. If you're 40, <laughs> you're a gilf. And if you're 60, you're, you're 50. In your 50s, it's just weird fetish porn for you. Um, so <laughs> yeah, and then that idea that she, you know, tells her mother, "Look, I'm not an actress," or or she tells her son, "I'm not an actress," right? Mm-hmm. Eh. Maybe you could be if, you know, budget constraints were such that you needed your lighting or an actress. Take your pick. Yeah. Uh, did you do you want to consider some Ozark feedback? <laughs> okay, sure. Because uh, Kate wrote in and uh, said, shout out to Jim and Cecily for their Ozark podcast. Uh, I had to laugh whenever they'd forget about uh, what happened or neither <laughs> one realized that they were off on the thing they're talking about. But she specifically didn't agree with your baby plot point about being a filler. The fact that Marty <laughs> frantically came to Winnie's rescue is significant itself. But when he killed Mason, I think that's when Marty looked deep into the abyss. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> look, look, look. I, I will say, like, I want to say, I want to say something first. I listened uh-huh. to like the first thirty minutes of your guys' podcast just because, like, it's a novelty for me to see like Cecily just kind of like you know doing a podcast not with me, uh-huh. um, and. Uh, I thought it was enjoyable and funny because I could tell when you guys were making jokes and stuff. But like it was um, I felt like I was eavesdropping in on a conversation. So like not, none of that made it. But would you like to respond to the point about Wendy and Mason here and Marty, yeah, I guess y- y- you got to understand, uh, as I mentioned in the podcast, a I background watched this show for the most mm-hmm. part. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there were a few episodes I straight up watched, but mostly background watching and B all of this was just having fun. Like, yeah. I was not seriously reviewing this show. Saying that the baby was simply there to be juiced is a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the baby had more to do with stuff. It's mm-hmm. It was just fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, what, it's nice to do those, because that's essentially the entire American Horror Story podcast for Cecily and I, is we're just like, right. you know, so, I mean, we occasionally take it serious when the occasion arises, but mostly it's just like, look how crazy this thing is, and make jokes, and invent funny nicknames for people and and have a good time with it so right um i think that's it that we got for this week uh if you'd like to give us feedback for the deuce or anything that we do please send it to tv at baldmove.com uh there's also forum threads for all the shows that we're watching um apologize it did not we did not get a bojack horseman show out last week it's something Seth and i are going to try to get uh before i go out of town this weekend um and i think that's it we'll be back next week for more of the deuce Uh, more of uh, David Simon trying to get his thesis across to America. Uh, Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.